Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. The 2 2. Swing and a miss. Hey, strikeouts. And goes down. That's eight strikeouts. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. First pitch to him, line back up the middle, but there is Franco to the left of the bag. He turns and throws him out, and the Rays have won it in Atlanta. This week in Rays Baseball starts right now. And welcome to our latest program, everybody. My name is Chris Adams-Wall. We're glad to have you with us. In this week's show, we'll sit down with Ray's assistant hitting coach, Brady North, who opens up about his path to the majors and winning just about everywhere he goes. Bally Sports Sun sideline reporter Trisha Whitaker will stop by to discuss the Rays' 2023 season and gives us an inside look into her journey from local news to Tampa Bay. Then we'll take a trip to the minors and talk with the manager of the Bowling Green Hot Rods, Rafael Valenzuela, about the Rays' high A affiliate, and their 2023 campaign. Finally, we'll transport you into the world of eSports and our conversation with announcers Austin Thune and Rich Veit about MLB The Show's Sunburst Invitational Championship. And we continue on this week in Rays Baseball with Rays assistant hitting coach Brady North. Brady, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. How do you think the season's been? It's obviously been kind of up and down. It started really really well then a tough spell in july but now it seems like the bats are really starting to come alive again yeah just like any season there's ebbs and flows you know obviously the way we started was really fun and all the excitement around us was awesome you know but even through that rough patch in july these guys you know kept the the same energy and made sure they came to the ballpark every day so we've had fun throughout did you anticipate them playing this well at the beginning of the season I mean, anticipated them playing well. Obviously, that start was, you know, historic. Um, but this group of guys is so talented. Any night they can just, you know, put on a display of talent. So definitely expected, but maybe not to that extent right off the bat. Now, this is your second year on Kevin Cash's staff. How has it been for you personally so far? Oh, it's been amazing. It's a learning experience. You know, there's so much uh, experience around me. You know, with Chad being the most tenured hitting coach in baseball, you know, it's nice to, to have him to lean on and, you know, whether it's talking through bullpen moves or whatnot, you know, him guiding me for, for things like that has been amazing. Um, and again, you know, Cassie breaking in as a young manager, um, being able to lean on him as well has been, been pretty special. You're obviously a young guy. You're only 32 years old. What's it been like to be around guys like Kevin Cash, guys like Chad Matola? You mentioned those names. I mean, that's pretty incredible for a guy as young as you are, right? Yeah, no, it's awesome, man. It's just... Uh... And they accept everybody, right? Like, you can be yourself. You don't have to try to fit a mold. And, you know, Cassie's really built that culture here along with Eric and Pete where, you know, you show up and do your job and be yourself, and, you know, that's that's what's going to make everything go around. So uh, it's been pretty cool. What's the, the biggest thing that you've taken away from being around those guys? Being the same every day. You know, they show up, and Cassie's got the same energy every day. He's going to address the players with the same energy. Um, and motor, same thing, you know. 
wearing here, shoes off, music blasting. Um, whether we lost the day before or we're on a 14-game winning streak, we're the same. Um, and that speaks volumes. And, you know, for me, being a younger guy, going through ups and downs, having that as, like, all right, this is what it's about. This is how you do it. It's been, been great. Now you were the Bowling Green Hot Rods hitting coach in 2021. What was that season like? I know you guys won a championship that year in, I can't even remember what the name of it, the Low A East? Was that, or it's a High A East? High A East, East, that's right. But you guys set all kinds of records with that team. How cool was that for you? That was cool. You want to talk about being around experience. You know, I had, you know, Jeff Smith there who's got, I think, 25 years in the game. He had five years in the big leagues, I think. Skeeter Barnes, who's got probably over 40, you know. Um, So that was a great year. That was a really big learning year for me, and I, I still look back on a lot of things I learned there with that staff. But those players carried us. I mean, they were so talented. And, you know, the Grant Witherspoons, Jordan Casars, Greg Jones, those players really elevated that team. And that was a really fun year with the home runs. And um, obviously winning the championship was awesome. Brett Wisely on that team as well, I believe, yeah? Brett Wisely joined us probably July. Curtis Mead joined us in July. Mm-hmm. So I'm really good players on that team. That team was stacked, as the kids say, right? But then shortly thereafter, after you won High A East Championship with the Bowling Green Hot Rods, you were hired as the Rays assistant hitting coach. Tell us what that day was like. How did you find out? Where were you? And did you kind of have to pinch yourself at first? Yeah, no. So um, I actually was working in the Dominican for Escojito with uh, Rodney Leonidas. He was the manager. So I was actually on the bus on the way to La Romana. And we always stop at this bus stop heading out there. And Rodney texts me. He's like, call cash. So I'm on the bus, and I'm, you have these little Wi-Fi things. I'm connecting the Wi-Fi, and Cash is like, is this the best thing to call you on? I'm like, well, this is a FaceTime thing, so this is like how you got to reach me on Wi-Fi. And he's like, all right. He's like, all right. And he kind of takes a long way, and finally he tells me, and I couldn't respond. And he literally had to ask me if I was there, like, hey, are you there? Can you hear me? Did you hear yeah. what I just told you? You're going to be a major league coach. <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah, 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 I'm here, I'm here. Um, and then he's like, you know. Call your family, enjoy it. You've earned it. Uh, excited to have you. Sounds like a walkie-talkie type of situation. It, it, it was close to that. It was definitely close to that. <laughs> I read it. At one point before you joined the Rays organization, you were the director of hitting and mental performance at top-level athletes in Orlando. Tell us what that was all about. I was at Cumberland University getting my master's degree. In the 2017 season was my first year coaching at the collegiate level. And then graduated May of 2018. Went to the Cape 2018 summer. Went back to Cumberland in August and got a call from a good friend of mine, Rob Marcello. And he's now the director of pitching with San Diego. So he climbed the ranks pretty fast as well. But he calls me, he's like, yeah, I'm opening a facility, and you're the hitting guy. Come down. So I actually left Jaidi, my wife, and our youngest son in Tennessee for about three months. And I told her by January 1, if, you know, if I'm not in professional baseball, move to Orlando. And then I obviously got high by the race in November. But that time at top-level athletes did a ton of shaping because – it was all about development, and you're dealing with athletes who weren't as talented as the guys I work with today, and you had to be creative and find ways to develop them using you know, data and other resources to improve these guys. So, I mean, very grateful for my two and a half, three months there uh, for Rob and everybody there in that whole operation because it was a big learning moment for me. Yeah, what did you learn there exactly? We know baseball is constantly changing, constantly evolving, Sounds like that was a good place to be, though, especially right before you joined the Rays. Yeah, so it was great. I mean, my master's obviously with the motor learning background, my master's going there and being able to apply the stuff I learned there, but working with the people we had on staff there, the movement specialists, and just applying data 
to the practice environment, how we can incorporate it and not just use kind of judgment and opinions. And now up at this level, it's the ultimate blend of that. It's the feel of when to coach, when not to, how to use information and pass it on, et cetera. So still learning those lessons today. We keep dipping into your past. We'll go back to your time as a coach at Gaither High School. When you guys won a 2016 state championship, you were the hitting coach there, but your dad was the head coach, right? And, he, and is still the manager of the team? Yeah, he's still the manager. I actually, I was helping him out. I was still playing at the time. So in, in, in between the sense of, you know, going to spring training and stuff, I was just there helping. But, yeah, that actually is what motivated me to coach. It's what made me realize I'm probably going to be a better coach than player, honestly. You know, mm-hmm. you're around, and my dad was kind of the first person that said, man, you're a good communicator, like you're knowledgeable. And I was like, oh. And then so when I got done playing, I knew. Like, I knew right away. I was like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. So after 2016, when I was done, I went right back to school and started the career. How fun was it to be on the same coaching staff as your father? It was good. He may say otherwise, but for me, it was good. It was fun. You know, I obviously, I've, I poke fun a lot, and I stir the pot. So it was good having Dad there to just keep him on his toes. And you mentioned Cumberland University, NAIA. In 2014, you were national champions at Cumberland University. I'm noticing a pattern here, Brady North. It seems like everywhere you go, you win. But tell us about that season. That season was fun. You know, that was uh, that was under Hall of Fame coach Woody Hunt, um, who basically built that program from the ground up. From he's gonna get mad at me, probably like 1970 <laughs> or something on. But uh, yeah, I mean, he built that program and he brought me in. My dad actually got his college coaching career started there, and that's where I started my coaching career as well. Wow. So there was that that connection there. Um, that was a fun season. I learned a lot about, you know, culture and team building and, you know, understanding that it's more than baseball, you know, building the man and being a good person on and off the field. Uh, but that year was very fun. And you went to Gaither High School as well. We should mention that your jersey was retired, number 35, just, what, last year in February of 2022? So I imagine you were a pretty good player there, huh? I was okay, man. <laughs> I, uh, I had some good years, but, you know. Not nearly as good as people make it seem. And we mentioned that your dad, your dad's name is Nelson, and he's still still the manager at Gaither High School. He also coached at the University of Tampa, though, and the University of, of South Florida. What is he? I mean, that's quite quite a career there. I mean, he has a wealth of knowledge, I'm sure. What has he shared with you that you remember most prominently about his time coaching that you've taken with you here? I think just uh, observing him over the years. Like you know, I was around the team a lot. I traveled when I could. But my dad probably showed, like, just caring about the players, like, showing them, like, you know, you're a good baseball player, but you're more than that to me. Like, I remember he had he had the team over for dinners, and my mom would cook. You know, NCAA, you can't pay for anything, but you can mm-hmm. provide in that way. So, like, I remember those. And I remember the, the guys coming over, they installed a basketball hoop for me once, like, his guys and him. Like, so I think those examples are showing, like, this is more than baseball. Like, this is going to end at some point. You know, so it's pretty cool. I've actually ran into some of his former players out here on the road, guys that live, and, like, see him come back. So it's a, it's pretty cool. So I'd say that. Just it's more than baseball. It's about the person. You played a couple of years of independent baseball. I'm wondering, though, was that difficult to walk away from the game as a player and start coaching? I think those, those seasons while I was still playing coaching at Gaither made it a lot easier. I think if I didn't have that and didn't have the experience, I would have been lost. But – you know, in that time between, you know, October and February, being getting coached and getting reps and enjoying it, it was like, all right, this is what I want to do, and I knew that. Um, so it was easier than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. You speak Spanish. You're fluent in Spanish. Your wife, Jaidi, is from Puerto Rico. How did you meet her? And we know that you're, you're also a dad, right, to a, to a couple of little kids now. Yeah, so I uh, met Jaidi 
um, while we both were in college. She was playing volleyball. I was playing. Um, and she was a much better volleyball player than I was a baseball player. <laughs> she was an All-American, played pro. Um, but, yeah, so met her, and we have two boys, Hanley and Kenley. Hanley's old as five, Kenley four. And Puerto Rico is definitely a second home for me, and I'm very, very proud that my, my kids are Puerto Rican, and they're, they're proud of it as well. So uh, special connection there with the island. How good was your Spanish before you met Jaidi? It was, it was solid. You know, I live with a bunch of Dominican guys, um, Jose Alvarez and some other guys who, you know, helped me. Uh, but she's definitely helped me. And I learned something every day. I think Betancourt actually corrected me the other day. So <laughs> I learned something still. But, um, yeah, she's helped me for sure. Well, we appreciate you taking the time, Brady North. Best of luck the rest of the season. We hope that your, uh, your good luck charm, whatever that is, continues for the race because all you do is win, 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 no matter what, as the song goes. I, I hope I'm a good luck charm. If we win, then we're all going to be happy. So uh, I don't know if it's me, though. These guys are really good, so we got a chance. Well, thanks again, Brady. Yeah. We'll go to our first break, but when we come back, we'll hear from Bally Sports Sun sideline reporter Trisha Whitaker about her journey from local news to the Tampa Bay Rays. Plus, we'll check in with the manager of the Bowling Green Hot Rods, Rafael Valenzuela, about the Rays' high A affiliate and its 2023 season. And we'll wrap it all up with esports announcers Austin Thune and Rich Veit and discuss MLB The Show's Sunburst Invitational Championship on Monday. That's all coming up next on the Rays Baseball Network. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. We continue on this week in Rays Baseball with Trisha Whitaker, the Valley Sports Rays sideline reporter, Valley Sports Florida sideline reporter for the Rays, however you want to say it, but we thank you for taking the time, Trisha. Of course, anytime. This is your fifth season with the Rays, though. How has the 2023 season been for you personally? I know it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride with the team. Yeah, it's been awesome. The start of the season was so, so, so much fun. Um, and I think now going into September, this push is going to be really interesting between the Rays and the Orioles. Um, and it's just been a blast. This is such a fun group of guys to work around. I mean, even in the middle of July, when things weren't exactly going their way, the group, just the vibes were still good. Like, these are just fun guys to be around. They enjoy being around each other. And, and they're, it's easy to tell their stories. So it's been awesome. It's been a busy year for you both with the Rays, but also with Apple TV, where you yeah. do some sideline reporting. What is that like, though? I'm sure that's pretty <laughs> hectic, right? Because you're, you're planning and doing all your, your prep work for the Rays, but then you also have some new teams every Friday that you have to get ready for as well. I do. i got to walk into clubhouses and try to make guys I've never met before trust me to tell their story. So that's been a big challenge for me. It's been crazy. Like, I was looking at my schedule the other day, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I've been in six cities in one week. Um, and I'm not kidding. Sometimes I wake up in my hotel room, and I'm like – Hold on. Where am I? Where? Okay, yes, yeah, we yeah. are in Anaheim. Um, it just it gets confusing, and it's it is a lot. But it's I would have been silly to say no to that opportunity, and I don't want to not be around the race. So I pretty much just run myself into the ground, but I have fun doing it. So um, I think by the end of the season, I'll have worked close to, including spring training, and hopefully the postseason, I'll have worked close to like 160 games. Um, and gone to almost every single state in the entire country, <laughs> of course, aside from the states that don't have baseball teams. So, And even some of those. <laughs> I've been there because I had to connect on all my wild flights. But 
It's been a blast. Apple TV is so much fun. And the Rays are on Apple four times this year. They still have two more games on Apple in September and then a really big one against the Orioles in September, too. Well, you grew up in Bloomington, Indiana, where you also went to college, so right in your backyard. I also read that you grew up a Cubs fan because your dad was a Cubs fan, right? So what was it about the Cubs, and what is it about baseball for you? Uh, Yeah, I grew up going to Wrigley with my dad every summer, but we were so flippin' poor. We had to sit up in the nosebleeds, and we got the worst seats in the house, but it was also the best seat in the house because I was with my dad. And... um, and it was just that's where I fell in love with baseball because I just loved it. And he kind of taught me the game. I still have a lot to learn, but he taught me the game. And I remember when the Cubs won the World Series in 2016, we were watching together, and I jumped up and down um, so, like, wildly that I um, sprained my elbow uh, <laughs> because we were so excited that they had won. And, I mean, we were crying. It was amazing. So baseball for me is really connected to oh my gosh why are you gonna make me cry it was baseball to me is super connected to my dad um and so i don't know baseball just makes me nostalgic and being at the field is just it's one of my favorite places to be and did you always want to work in baseball or at at least in sports oh yeah Uh, well i don't know if i always wanted to work in sports but i always wanted to tell stories and um i got a random email from my advisor in college one day and she was like hey I think you should apply for this open sports anchoring job at the student television station. And I was like, okay. I played basketball growing up. And one time I actually beat that guy right there, Jose Siri, in a papa shot. Yeah, he'll tell you I lost, but um, no, I won. So I played basketball growing up, and I loved basketball. But I also, I loved baseball. I covered the NFL for seven years, too. So I've covered the NFL. You did not beat me three times. You did not beat me three times. He beat me in putt-putt. No, no, go-karts. He beat me in go-karts, not putt-putt. Go-karts. We tied in putt-putt. I beat him in papa shot. Anyways. <laughs> this is an interview with both Trisha Whitaker and Jose Siri. Let's talk about your time in local news, though, because I know that you worked at some stations in Indianapolis, and you also were up in Green Bay covering the Packers. Yeah. What was that like, and how important do you think local news still is? I know it gets... Uh, knocked on or, or ragged on by some people. It's like, who, who watches that stuff? But it does still have a place in our society, doesn't it? Oh, my it? gosh. Don't make me go on a rant. It has such a place. And the only thing, my my only bit with local news is that I don't feel like their employees are paid well enough, and I don't feel like they're treated the way that they should be. Um, they don't have a lot of time off, and they're underpaid, but they work so hard. And local news is really, I loved what, um, oh, my gosh, who was it, Kirk Cousins the other day? He said in an interview, he said, I love local news because it's the, it's the, it's the basically the last standing purest form of media that we have because they are the reporters for that community. Nobody is covering a random town in Montana and what's going on in Montana. You know what I mean? Those local journalists and local news, um, and local news outlets are the last standing pure journalists in this country, to be honest. There's no yelling. There's no screaming. There's no commentary that nobody wants to hear. There's just facts and there's coverage of a community that truly matters to those people because they grew up in that community. Um, so local news matters a lot to me. I was in it for seven years. Um, I much prefer this job because of what I mentioned before. I don't feel like local news journalists are treated the way that they should be. But it's I could go on forever. I could do an entire <laughs> podcast on that, but I won't. But there you go. But it certainly shaped the reporter yes, that you are yes, now, correct? It did because... I was taught how to tell stories, and I'm still learning. I'm by no means a finished product or anything, but I was taught how to tell stories. And, and the thing about local news is you're challenged to tell a story about some random girls' softball team in the middle of Sheboygan, Wisconsin, that you know nothing about. It's not like you can go look up these articles online about, like, you know, 
Sheboygan girls softball. Like, you have to actually go talk to the people, form relationships, and tell the stories. So that's how I learned to tell a story, and that's still what I rely on in this clubhouse is running around bugging the guys every single day, like, hey, hey, I need you to do this, I need you to do that. And you have to form those relationships and hope that they trust you, and that's I learned that in local news. And how stark is the difference between, or differences, I should say, between covering a baseball team and a football team, say? Besides the obvious, we know baseball's every day, so it requires a lot more energy, I'm sure. It's so different. Like, when I covered the Packers, it was like, there was a a very like it was it was it was it was routine more routine than baseball if you can believe it so like every wednesday aaron rodgers would we do an interview with aaron rodgers and then every sunday after the game we do an interview with aaron rodgers with baseball it's a lot more you know you're here every single day so there's a lot more asked of these guys i feel than in the nfl um, but the NFL was special because Sundays were, I mean, there's nothing like a Sunday morning at Lambeau Field. Oh, my gosh. It still, like, gives me chills sometimes thinking about, like, a Sunday morning. or Actually, most of the time when it was Packers-Bears, it was, like, Sunday night football or something. But, or Monday night football, but there's nothing like it. It was, it was so much fun. But there is a big difference there in the way, in the expectations of the guys. These guys are expected to come out every single day. And in the NFL, it's really, you play once a week, and then you've got practice throughout the week but it, it's it's definitely a different pace let's talk about how you landed the job with the Rays because I, I've heard whisperings of how it <laughs> happened but it was kind of a random day wasn't it oh my gosh everybody asked me this story and I love telling it so I went out <laughs> you're like I gotta go Chris oh, like, no it's no I was just making sure that I'm like not gonna anyways this is more important than another interview um I, I was in Indianapolis at the time, and I went out for a wine night with the girls. Oh, very nice. And uh, it was me and one of my best friends, Taylor. And she looks over at me, and she goes, oh, Trish, like, I thought of you the other day. And I'm like, well, that's nice of you. Why? And she's like, um, well, my friend who had the raised sideline job is leaving. And she's like, don't you love baseball? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, so I texted my agent, like, after a couple glasses of wine. And I'm like, hey, I want to apply for this job. So he sends in my resume, he all this stuff. And then the next morning I wake up and I have this text from my agent. He's like, they want to talk to you. I'm like, who wants to talk to me? He's like, the Rays. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that'll work. That'll be fine. Um, and and I'm, it's the best thing I've ever done, you know. And so, uh, I mean, of course I wanted this job. But just like, it was just a random text I sent him. Yeah. Like, not even really thinking that, like, Maybe the job wasn't actually open and it was bad information or something. No, it was open. And, like, it took a couple months and auditions and Skypes and phone calls with, you know, people in the Rays front office and people with Bally and stuff. But finally, they offered me the job and they're stuck with me because I don't ever want to leave. And it's also led to you becoming an, an adjunct professor at Indiana University, yeah, yeah. right? I mean, what has that been like? It's awesome. So I've been there actually. I've been... Um, teaching for eight years now there. Um, I think this will be actually my ninth year teaching, but I love it. It's so much fun. I love my students. I'm like a protective mama bear of them, too. Like I, like of Becca Carney, correct? Oh, yeah. Becca Carney, who's an intern for Rays Radio, was my student, and I remember telling her to apply for this internship with the Rays, and now it's turned into a full-time job, and I can't imagine the Rays without her. But, um, no, my students are the best. I love teaching them. They are so... They remind me every semester. Like, obviously, I love my job every day. But their childlike joy, when they get to go cover, like, just a random tennis match at IU, it reminds me, like, oh, yeah, this is why I got into this. Like, there is a joy in telling stories and building those relationships. So 
Um, they're the best. I'm, I could go on and on about my students, but uh, they, they've just they've come so far. And whenever they get a job, whenever they text me and they're like, Trisha, I got this full time job, blah blah blah. I'm like crying because I'm so happy for them because you know those are those are my students. <laughs> How much does it mean to you to be doing what you're doing as a woman? We know that sports media is incredibly competitive, but. How, how challenging is it to, to be a woman in this industry? Yeah, I mean, I think we've come so, so, so far. Honestly, you have so many more rights now as a woman in this industry than you did at first. And so many more voices. Um, and some of, like, here's the thing. Yeah, there's some bad apples. But, like, throughout my career, I have been so fortunate to, like, be supported. My Some of my biggest supporters were men in the industry. And they're the good ones. You have to look at the good ones. Um, and also, like, with this team, like, Kevin Cash is super supportive. The coaches are so supportive. Eric Neander, people. I mean, they're all just, like, so supportive. And they they not they don't just – here's the difference. They don't just say they support women. They actually do. And they are vocal about it. And they are um, intentional about it. They hire women. There is a big difference between saying, yeah, we support women in sports. Okay, do you? How many of those resumes did you pick up that were females, and how many did you interview? So they put, you know, they, they, it's not just words for them. It's not just lip service. They actually do. So I'm really grateful to work in a place that does. Having said that, do you have any advice for little girls who want to do what you do someday? Just remember you belong. Don't ever think you don't belong. And if somebody makes you think that you don't belong, don't give them any legitimacy um, because there's always going to people going to be people who make you feel like you don't belong but you deserve a seat at the table as long as you put in the work right so like a lot of people will they'll ask me like how like oh did, was this your first job out of college no like no I had to start in Green Bay Wisconsin carrying all my equipment around by myself and shooting all the video on my own like I worked my butt off you know to get here and so to the other women, young women out there, if you work hard enough, you've earned a spot at the table just as much as a man has. So I'm, I very much work your butt off, and, and nobody can say anything to you. Um, and, yeah, ignore the, the jerks, too. Ignore the jerks. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Ignore the jerks. <laughs> Trisha Whitaker, thank you so much for joining us on This Week in Race Baseball, and we'll see you again soon. Anytime. Thanks, Chris. We really appreciate Trisha Whitaker for taking the time to share her journey to the big leagues with us. Coming up, Bowling Green Hot Rod skipper Rafael Valenzuela. Stay with us. We're coming right back on the Rays Baseball Network. And welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. We're joined now by the manager of the Tampa Bay Rays High A affiliate, the Bowling Green Hot Rods, Rafael Valenzuela. Rafael, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thanks for having so me. So let's talk about the hot rod season. You guys went 31-30 and 30 during the first half of the season in third place in the South Atlantic League South, just two and a half games out of first. Second half, though, the team has been playing much, much better. Uh, why do you think you guys have had that turnaround? Not that you didn't play that well in the first half. You're just playing a little bit better now. I think it's the guys getting comfortable now. You know, it's a different level. It's a tough level. A lot of people tend to just surpass high A, but this is a very key level for these guys because they're getting used to getting a routine together. They're getting used to the travel. It's not, you know, it's six to seven hour bus rides and then you wake up the next day, you play a game. So there was a lot of things that they were trying to get used to, but they finished strong and then they started the second half very, very strong. And right now I think, uh, I think we might be three and a half games out from making the postseason. So 
they're playing well, and uh, I'm excited for the next four weeks. This is your 12th season in professional baseball. It's your fourth as a manager, but it's also your first. Yeah, I didn't mean to make you feel old there, Rafa. Wow. But it's your first as manager of the Bowling Green Hot Rods. So what has it been for you personally? Uh, what's it been like for you personally? Because obviously that's a very good level. It's right before double A where things start to get really tough. I had no idea I was in the game for that long. But uh, when you say it out loud, it's kind of crazy. But it's a, I mean, I've had my own growing pains, but the staff has been great. The staff, you know, walked me through the first month, the second month, the third month. They kind of, you know, they pull my reins if I was doing a little, a little bit of things I shouldn't be doing as a, as a manager. So, you know, all credit to them for, for helping me grow. Like you said, this is my first year in a full season and I knew there were going to be some growing pains. I know there was going to be some things that I had to get used to, but, you know, talking to Morgan Ensberg and talking to Smets and guys who have been through this, um, they helped me out a lot. So all, all thanks to them. Now we need to turn the clock back a little bit to 2015 when you and I met each other for the first time. You were the video coordinator for the Montgomery Biscuits, yes. the Rays AA affiliate. Uh, back when Aaron Vargas was the lead broadcaster for the Biscuits and I was his his number two, his his little uh, henchman, I guess you could call me. <laughs> How did this opportunity come about to manage? I mean, when you took over as the video coordinator for the Biscuits, is coaching the route that you wanted to go or did you want to do something in the front office? And how did that managerial opportunity even come about? So in 2015, I was trying to get my foot in the door um, after playing for Houston for about six years. It was tough to get in and, you know, being a video coordinator was a way in. So I said, you know what, I'll do it and we'll see where it leads. Right after the season, I was lucky enough to get invited to Instructional League and I had a meeting with uh, Mitch Lukovics. And he asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, you know, I want to get into coaching and then eventually graduate and maybe hopefully one day become a manager. So the following year, I went down to the Gulf Coast League and I coached there for a year. 2017, I was blessed enough to be able to travel with the big league team for about half of the year and then ended up going to Durham. 2018, I was the bench coach slash third base coach for Princeton. And then I was uh, I was invited to go to Australia for winter ball. When I was out there, Mitch actually visited us and he pulled me aside right before he head back to the States. And he said, hey, how would you like to manage the Gulf Coast League next year? So it kind of caught me off guard. But the year before that, when we had our exit meetings, I brought it up to him and I said, hey, if a managing job opens up, like I want it. Like I didn't I didn't even ask him to consider me. I just said, I, I want it. So I'm glad that he listened. I'm glad that he took me serious and uh, he gave me the opportunity. So I've been doing that ever since. Well, good for you. I mean, you sound like a very resourceful guy. You did do three seasons in the Complex League, as you mentioned. The FCL Rays, during the time that you were the skipper, did really well. They were 81-31 and 31 between 2021 and 2022. But I'm sure that that's challenging, right? Because you're playing on the backfields a lot. No one's really coming to the games. You're trying to keep these guys motivated. And now, with the elimination of the short season affiliates, you have all these draft picks coming in in the middle of the season and you're trying to sort those out too. So what was that experience like working down at the complex? It was a different animal. Unless you do it, you don't really understand it. I, I had a lot of people coming into town and they were like, what the heck is going on, man? Like, why are there so many people? So it's a different animal trying to manage, you know, the rehab program, trying to manage uh, young players coming into the States for the first year. There's always going to be the language barrier and luck, lucky for me, I'm bilingual so I can communicate with these guys. But, you know, it's it's very tough because you are not only teaching the game of baseball, but you're also teaching them how to live the day to day life. 
especially, you know, growing up in Latin America, some of the things that we do here in America, and that's not the same that they do back at home. So trying to teach them, you know, the proper way to dress, proper way to make their bed and how to cook meals and go about their business. It's a, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of parenting slash coaching, but mostly parenting. At the beginning of this season with the Hot Rods, you had the Rays' top prospect now, Junior Caminero. He's now in double-A Montgomery, but he hit three fifty-six for you guys with 11 home runs, 32 RBIs, and 36 games. He's a pretty special talent. We know that, but what was his first half, or at least first portion of the season, like with Bowling Green? It was something special. There was nothing, nothing like it was, it was very special. Even the players from the other teams, whenever he connected on a baseball, they will look at me and say, how old is he? And I'm like, he's 19. They're like, no way. No way. And I was like, he's a 19-year-old kid. Very impressive. You know, his at-bats were out of this world. He understood what the pitchers were trying to do to him. He took what the pitchers gave him. And whenever he connects, man, he hits, he hits the ball very, very hard. Very hard. And you had another 19-year-old on your team as well who just re- went up to triple a dorm just completely skipping double a and that's the Rays' number two prospect carson williams he's a, a shortstop second baseman i think he's learning second base now but uh how is his progress looking i know that you've had him for the majority of this season so i had him back in 21 when he first got drafted and it was crazy because he came in as a 17 year old kid and you know he was learning the game he was learning how to be a pro last year he went to Charleston, had a really, really good, good year, but he was still a 19 year. I mean, he was 18. And this year he came in as a 19 year old kid and he's grown up a lot. He's grown up a lot. He's matured a lot with us. He is, he's going to be very special for us when he gets up to the, to the trap. And I mean, there's no better feeling for a coach than when a guy goes up to the next level and he performs. So everybody, when we got back into the bus right after the, the game, everybody tuned in to the Durham Bulls and everybody, you, you could just hear in the background, Carson Williams goes on the wall and Williams does this. So all the guys were rooting for him. He is a very good teammate, very good kid. He's got a lot of growing up to do still. You know, he's only 20, but he uh, he's going to be very special in the, in the future for us. And clearly the Rays felt that he was ready for AAA right now. I mean, that says i think all that we need to know about him right he went through his little struggles in the beginning of the year but if you look at his numbers now i think he might be in the top of the league in home runs i believe he's got 18 or 19 and he's only 20. he is one of the best players in this league if not the best he's one of the best shortstops in the league if not the best so for him to go up to durham and perform it's uh it's very awesome for us to see and uh and it's great for him the Rays just moved one of their top pitching prospects from low A Charleston to you guys in high A Bowling Green. His name is Yoniel Curet, and he is a 20-year-old Dominican righty. He was 6-1 and one with a 246 ERA and 17 starts for Charleston. He's uh, only made, what, one or two starts for you guys. I know he just got there, but what have you seen from Yoniel Curet so far? So he's another, he's another young man that I had last year. And last year, you could see there was something special. You know, he was throwing his fastballs anywhere from 97 to 100. And this year, he goes to Charleston, goes through his growing pains, but he turns it around. And he uh, he started for us last week, and it was as advertised. He was fastball is electric. His off-speed is electric. Uh, he's actually starting for us tomorrow, so I'm excited to see him on the road, how he reacts on the road and how he goes about his business. But 
He is another young arm that we have that is very special, and I'm excited for him to keep going. It's kind of a tough ballpark to pitch in, though, in Bowling Green, isn't it? Everyone I talk to says, oh, yeah, it's basically like the Coors Field of the South Atlantic League. Is that true? Is it is it pretty easy to hit home runs there? I don't – I mean, people are going to say that, but you still have to hit it. And, you know, this team is – is very strong. Our strength coach Garrett uh, Hudson's done a good job with them. And uh, but when they when these guys hit home runs at home, they hit them like it, they go out in any other park. So it reminds me a little bit of when I played in the California League. He's got a, you know our field's got a little Lank Lank Lancaster Jetthawks vibe when the ball travels. But you, you know you still have to hit it. You still have to hit it. <laughs> yeah, let's talk very quickly about your time in the Houston Astros organization. I know you got as far as Double A Corpus Christi. What did you learn during your time in the Houston organization? I think for some reason they were grooming me to be a coach. Obviously, I wasn't the top prospect. I wasn't even under top 30 prospect, but um, I did a nice job of, you know, clinging on to my managers and coaches and kind of learning the game from them. You know, Rodney Linares was my manager for two years, who is now our bench coach. So that was that was a lot. I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot from guys like Stubby Clapp, who is not the first base coach for for St. Louis, but I learned how to be a good teammate. I learned the game. I learned how to handle di- different situations that happen in the game, which is why I think they're helping me out now. But I did a lot of growing up with them, learned a lot about the game. I was blessed enough to play with some really good players like, you know, George Springer, Domingo Santana, Kika Hernandez, and all those guys. So I was blessed enough to be around those guys and see what they did. And uh, I hold these guys to their standard. You know, they, they, they did things – a certain way, which is why they're in the big leagues now. So I hold these guys to the same standard that they, that, that they have. Well, we so appreciate you taking the time, Rafael. Congratulations on your first year as the Bowling Green Hot Rods manager. We hope you guys make the playoffs and best of luck. And, and we'll talk to you again soon. Awesome, man. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we continue on this week in Rays Baseball with a little trip over to the world of esports. I'm joined now by a couple of esports broadcasters, Austin Thune and Rich Veit. Guys, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us. So to catch us up to speed, how has this tournament been going so far? We know that the Sunburst Invitationals Championship is Monday. Yeah, it, it, it's coming up, and it's very exciting. I think Scuffy could equally share with you in a level of, of just huge excitement because it's the first time we've ever had an MLB The Show tournament have an in-person final, so that's big, first of all. But having it showcased at a great venue is also great and then a great cash value behind it. But overall, it's been a fantastic tournament. I think, you know, I've covered – esports for about three years here for MLB The Show, and it's been my favorite tournament I've worked with. So I can't wait to see what happens on Monday. Yeah, especially the way this tournament has progressed because we are using the Rays roster. And in, typically in other esports tournaments for MLB The Show, it's been a variety of different cards, that, like a fantasy type of lineup that you see in MLB. But now we're restricted to the Rays roster. So it, it's been fun to see how the gameplay 
tends to the strategy based on each player throughout the roster. Like there are certain players that, you know, Jose Siri has been um, a progress to be a favorite player through the lineup from going qualifier one to qualifier two. So it's kind of cool how it progressed. And I mentioned that the championship for the Sunburst Invitational is going to be Monday. So we know when it is, but where are the finals and, and how can fans tune in? Yeah, so uh, the the venue itself will be at Full Sail University in Orlando, Florida. So it, it's a very big step for MLB The Show. You know, we're used to having, you know, tournaments that are only broadcasted on the internet. Uh, this will be broadcast, obviously, everywhere. But it'll have an in-person venue as well. It's the first time it's ever happened. So it's huge that in Orlando, Florida is happening. But also, um, I believe, I have a command in my channel. It's I think it's Rays Baseball Gaming is a Twitch channel. And then they'll be live on uh, TikTok and YouTube. Someone formally can give you like all the commands there. But they'll be live everywhere. We'll be broadcasting a great tournament. It'll be a great time for sure. And what has it meant to the esports community to have the Rays create a gaming program this season? Oh, this is huge. Just to have support behind the esports tournament, um, not just from MLB The Show itself. It's it's very cool to see a Major League Baseball team putting this together. And it, it shows in the community because it opens up more eyes to the game. Because I, I believe, I think uh, Austin could contend to this, is that MLB The Show I, is probably the most exciting sports video game when it comes to esports. I tell you, the action is nonstop. There's no time for breaks. Uh, there, you think of a pitch clock that we have now in MLB, there is no pitch clock. It's literally every second there's action. So it's it's exciting stuff, and I'm just happy to see it to be on this type of stage and seeing the Rays being the first team to do it. And, and just to attest to that before you get into your next question here, it's just – like, I'm a Minnesota Twins fan diehard. I mean, I, mean, I, I love the Rays. Like, I'll forever love the Rays for this tournament being involved in stuff. But it's made me check Twitter for Jose Siri highlights. It's made me check Twitter for when uh, does Jason Adam come into the game as a reliever. Like, it's just, I think the beauty of MLB The Show and the beauty of any, you know, sports eSport game is that it not only can make you a fan of the player themselves for when they go out and play, but the eSport can make you maybe think of some players you maybe wouldn't have thought of. Like, I now check Twitter all the time about Jose Siri. It's so cool. <laughs> I love – like, this tournament's been fantastic. So, to Scuffy's point, absolutely, I could talk about this forever. <laughs> I am curious. You guys are obviously very passionate about this, about the Twins and about uh, MLB The Show. Hopefully we don't have any FIFA fans uh, listening as well. I think they might be able to pick a bone with you there. But what has the feedback been from Rays fans and esports players regarding a tournament like this? I think it's just cool to see their own team being put on display, right? Like we haven't heard of the names of Kevin Kelly, like Jason Adam beforehand as just a generic baseball fan. Um, now to get, I mean, it goes to Thune's point, just what he was just mentioned before. We get to know about these players even more like Erasmo Ar Ramirez now being part of that. He is a, a key point in the bullpen. World baseball classic legend right and, there. Yeah, <laughs> Come on now. Well. And, and then now having him being part of the Rays roster, he is beloved in that movie show. And now the Rays get to share the love with, with us. It's, it's been a lot of fun to see. It, it, it's, it's just the ultimate compliment. I think is that 
I went into this and I, I couldn't believe like the level of support that we've had from day one. The only like blip that we've had was a little server overload on day one. Like it's been other than that, like, of course, we'll just upload the server. will be good. It's been a fantastic tournament. It, it's it's made. I, I can't tell you how many times broadcast the tournament. I've seen someone in my chat say, you know, hey, I'm a race fan. It's very cool seeing this happen. Or, you know, I've been a fan of Randy Rose Randy for a long time. It's very cool to see this happen so you know seeing that connection on top of the support and love that's clearly been put into this it's just been i'm very grateful to have been involved and it's been a fantastic mm. tournament so far all right now let's get into the game itself playing on legend difficulty in the game how skilled are these finalists that are going to be competing monday for the championship i mean you have to be the one percenter it, it, you think of when playing just like typical major league baseball player when they're facing a 98 mile an hour pitch you're gonna have the same reactions it might not be the hand eye but it's the thumbs that you have to have the reaction that's it you don't have time to think it's all about reaction and they see things that the typical casual player of mb show doesn't they pick on up on tendencies they pick up on pitching strategies they pick on depending on um, someone's batting stance on how well it will reflect towards the game. It's something that you, you had to dig deep into and not everyone has that magnitude of looking, you know, just the research behind it. But um, yeah. Yeah. And like, just going to that point, you know, Brandon Lau, second baseman for the Tampa Bay. Uh, well, I mean, he plays other positions too, but you know, he's beloved in the game because he just has an amazing swing. He, he is just flat out period. Anytime you have Brandon Lau on your team, and it's just, it feels comforting because it's an amazing swing. I mean, there's so many, like Scuffy just said, there's so many aspects that go into being an esports player for Emily the Show compared to, you know, actual baseball. But ultimately, it's just, it, it's, it's afforded us so many opportunities to watch uh, high level gameplay. You, you know, like we have two players, for example, that play different. You know, one guy puts up crooked numbers, you know, two or three times a game. One guy peppers you all game. I mean, it's it, it, baseball's beautiful because everyone approaches it a different way. And I'm so thankful. Like, I've worked with so many tournaments. This Tampa Bay Rays tournament has been astounding. I've loved it. I can't stop talking about it. <laughs> well, let's talk about you guys as broadcasters. What has it been like for you individually? and together to broadcast an eSports tournament, and what has been the feedback from the players involved? I, I mean, me personally, uh, Austin has been doing uh, broadcasting for, what, three-plus years now for eSports. This is my first time behind, like, actually commentating. Usually uh, I'm the one putting up, like, tournaments for eSports, but from my perspective, it's been absolute blast of just seeing these players on these high – high level players being able to put on a show each week each qualifier and uh it's been it's just it feels like uh, the excitement of watching these players and seeing the, who comes out on top and being uh able to commentate on top of that has just been wonders and uh i i thank austin for that because he's the leading man he no, makes everything no, no, easy no. for no, me no, no, no. um so uh, I'm just here to, you know, speculate and just see, get to see what, tell what the story I see while he does the play-by-play. -play, no. It's been a fun ride. I, Scuffy, I appreciate it. My, my testament <laughs> to this whole thing, honestly, is what I would say is my first day meeting with this call about this tournament. 
And, you know, I was, like, vehement and, like, I think it should be run this way. And I think it's such a testament to, like, the people you work with when they will match that and say, no, you're wrong. This is how we're going to do it. And I bought into it, and it's been fantastic. I, I mean, I can't I, – I literally can't stop talking about how amazing this tournament's been. It's I, I, I Like Scuffy said, three years, you know, I think it's been – the best gameplay that I've seen in a tournament, you know, you're getting sacrifice bunning, you're getting, you know, action plays with a hit and run, you're getting balls in the alley and having decision-making on like sending runners home. I mean, it's, it's brought out the real aspects of baseball that have made me fall in love with, you know, this thing. I, I mean, it's all you want as a broadcaster is to call great moments. And we've had so many, so. Well, I got one final question for you guys. What can viewers expect if they're tuning in for the first time to the championship on Monday? I'll let you take that one through. What you can expect is that you have two guys that have had to absolutely fight a ladder. I mean, you have two guys that not only have won their respective qualifiers, but this is a cross-platform tournament, so every person in the world that wanted to compete in this got an opportunity to. And two guys said, I'm better than everybody else. And that's who we have. We, I, I, like, it's two guys that in, in the first series, it was a pitcher's duel, and it was a war of attrition. And the second guy was an offensive onslaught. It was a barrage of home runs. It was beautiful. I mean, we have a chance to watch the best esports MLB has ever had on Monday. And I'm very, very excited to be a part of it. Emotion is going to be high on Monday, especially being the first live event for MLB Show Esports. It's going to be nonstop action. I, I tell you, you can't you can't get away from your seat because every pitch there's going to be something going on, and these games fly by as you know. But you're going to see a magnitude of runs. You're going to see some action. You're going to see aggressiveness. You're going to see it all come on Monday for these best of three for the championship of the Sunburst Invitational. Well, we can't wait to watch. We can't wait to listen to you guys, Austin Thune and Rich Vite. Thanks so much for joining us on This Week in Race Baseball, and good luck. Yeah, we appreciate you having us on. Pleasure. Thank you. But we do want to thank Austin Thune and Rich Vite for their time on This Week in Race Baseball and for setting the stage for tomorrow's Sunburst Invitational Championship, once again between Baco and Zazie at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. And we also want to thank... Our other guests on the show today, including Ray's assistant hitting coach, Brady North, for sharing his story about his path to the majors, as well as Bally Sports Sun sideline reporter Trisha Whitaker for taking the time to share hers. We also want to thank Rafael Valenzuela for taking a few minutes to update us on the Bowling Green Hot Rods and all things high A down there or up there, rather, geographically in Kentucky. And if you ever have something you want to hear on the show, all you have to do is tweet me, and you can do so fairly easily at Chris Adams Wall and at Rays Radio. Thanks to Derek DeBose back at our network studios, plus assistance from Neil Solons, Chris Miller, Becca Carney, Parker Welch, and Alex Fuse. And we can't forget the big guy, Andy Freed, who is dealing with a back issue. We went to see Andy at the hospital last night, and he is in very good spirits, and hopefully he will be back in the saddle as soon as possible. It was great to hear Andy's voice, though, and uh, he was still all smiles, and hopefully he is out of pain from dealing with uh, that back injury. Uh, but we do thank him for all of his help throughout all of this 
as well. We're getting set for the Rays and Yankees, the series finale and rubber match from Tropicana Field. Zach Littell against Carlos Rodon as Tampa Bay goes for their fifth consecutive series victory. We will see you next week on This Week in Rays Baseball. The Rays pregame show is next. Enjoy the game, everybody. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Breaking ball lifted to the air, way up there, in the right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. Gone! And the Rays jump in front 4-1. to one. If you missed any of the show, catch it at RaysBaseball.com slash radio.